Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of the U.S. And I have a special episode for you today, Then we're going to be starting off with a, a little bit of a cadence contest for United States Marines. This will make sense. Hopefully it'll make sense later on during this podcast, but you got to listen to this. For those of you that have been in the military, this might sound a little odd for you. Um, if, if you've been in the Marine Corps, this will sound like home. If you've never been in the military, this will sound like garble. It will make absolutely no sense to you whatsoever, uh, but you got to listen to this Marine Corps cadence. Um, this, is kind, this is a competition that took place uh, this month in Southern California. These are drill instructors having a competition to see who can call out the best cadence. I listened to this a lot when I was going through uh, boot camp and also throughout my time in the infantry. I did a lot of cadence calling. Anybody who has ever been through San Diego or or Paris Island Marine Corps boot camp, this will sound just like what they went through. Dig them in, dig them in. They used to cause heel contusions, so they quit doing it. Leo, I ain't Leo. Walk up, very parallel. Platoon, hold. And this is the winner. That is a that is the Marine Corps cadence, and when I, I posted that on social media, and my uncle, who is a former U.S. Marine, um, did his own cadence and then posted it to my social media site. Real Marine Corps cadence. Hold up there, right, lay off. Hold it 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 off. 
And then I had to answer back with my own Marine Corps cadence. So I posted back. That was uh, that was that was the the reply back. But the reason I wanted to share the cadence because if you are not familiar with uh, military cadence, basically it is a system that was that that's been used for years uh, in the U.S. military to keep uh, the troops uh, in a uh, in a uh, a marching unison. It uh, this it's a beat. That's that's based for marching. It's a marching tool um, that's been used since the Revolutionary War. Now, you know, many of the people who joined the Revolutionary War in America in the 1800s were uneducated. So they did not even know left from right. And because they didn't know left from right, instead of saying left, right, left, right in, in marching units down the road, what they would do is they would strap straw on one foot and hay on the other foot and then they would call out hay foot straw foot hay foot instead of right foot left foot and so that was the marching order that they did to get troops from point a to b and make sure that everyone stayed in unison but it was there was there was never a uh, a chant like that the the marines kind of own um the the chant in that way where the the most famous in the united states is the marine corps cadence and uh and it, and it comes from a uh a time when the troops uh during the, uh, the world war ii there was a a colonel that was a commanding officer at the time that referred back to a private by the name of Willie Duckworth. And Willie Duckworth was, was with a, a platoon of troops, and they were low on morale. They were trying to move through a, a cold, muddy area. Uh, Foot-weary soldiers were unable to pick up their step, and so you had many people falling behind. Others were moving ahead, so you had this, this huge gap in the ranks. So you weren't able to move in unison. So this Willie Duckworth, who was an African-American soldier during World War II, um, began to sing a chanting cadence that kept everyone – not only did it keep everyone um, marching in order and marching together in unison, but it also brought up the morale of the troops. Now, if you've ever been on a long run when we do what we call quick time or double time, um, where you are calling out cadence during a run, uh, you would know that when the group gets tired, the cadence somehow takes your mind off of the, the pain that you're going through. And it keeps everybody in unison. The reason I wanted to bring this up is because right now, among mission groups inside of China, th we don't have unison. And... I often get I often get questions, especially on an extremely 
important topic that I'm going to be talking about today on this podcast. This is this is going to be a podcast that you might want to refer back to over and over. Uh, this will be one of our more important podcasts. Uh, hopefully it will be. Who knows where the day will lead us when we're doing podcasts? Uh, because as you know, we, these are not edited. We, are, don't, we don't do these in studios. I'm not looking at a plethora of information sitting in front of me, though I do research before I do our podcast. Um, my hope is that we can provide information to you as a listener that will help explain things when you hear contradictory, contradictory information. That's a word. Is that a word? Contradictory? I think so. Contradicting is to contradict is I don't know if contradictory. If I made it up, call me the Donald Trump of podcasts. I just make up words. So uh, one of the things that people often ask questions about is Bibles. Are Bibles needed inside of China today? Now, I'm not going to tell you ministries that disagree with us. Excuse me. I'm not going to share with you the names of groups or people. Um, If you stumble across them, you'll know who they are. Sometimes we work with them, and and if we don't, we still pray for them. We're still partners. So what? We don't agree on what is needed, what isn't needed. Not – it's, it's not a salvation essential. If somebody says Bibles are not needed in China any longer, they're not going to go to hell because of it. And they're not our enemy because of it. They're still our partner. But it does cause confusion. And we're not marching in unison. Almost, It's almost like we need cadence for the missionary groups that are working inside of China to keep us all in step because it seems that at times we are marching out of step. So some get left behind and others move forward, and it's, it causes a serious morale problem. Um, there is a morale problem for those on the ground working with underground church leaders, knowing that there's a huge Bible deficit and with a Bible deficit, having individuals in the West calling out and saying Bibles are not needed in China any longer. Now, this is a relatively recent video. It's, It's garnered quite a bit of attention done by a well-known ministry, and this is what they have to say about the situation. Operations like Project Pearl have inspired Chinese Christians to begin printing their own Bibles in China. They now produce over one million Bibles a month. Today, there are an estimated 80 million Christians in China, and there is no longer a Bible drought. So, One million Bibles per month, no longer a Bible drought. For right now, um, we see that Amity Press has printed over 100 million Bibles, and now they're at the 180 million mark. So is that true? If there's there's 1 million people coming to Christ every— Now, uh, his— estimate is that there are about 80 million Christians. So we're going to move away from our estimates and we're just going to look at his estimates. And we're going to move away from his or or, our uh, estimates for Bible printing in Amity Press, which nobody really knows how many Bibles Amity Press prints. But 
Um, we're gonna we're gonna move away from that. We're just gonna use his figures. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt and use his figures and and honestly evaluate: Are there Bibles still needed in China? I know a lot of people ask that question when they come to support Bibles for China. They ask that question: Is this still a need? Because we're it's not just the government that we're hearing this from. It's not just the news agencies that we hear this from. This is church. Uh, these are church people. These are Christians that we trust. These are brothers and sisters that we break bread with. These are ministers that we invite to come to our church and speak in our churches. This this uh, brother who you just heard on a video clip that was posted on social media, he speaks in churches all around the world. And if you know who he is, I, I think he's definitely worth inviting to your church because what he does is he raises the awareness of the persecuted Christians around the world, which is a great thing. But here we have a dilemma. We have a dilemma because we have deferring numbers. We have one set of believers saying we desperately need Bibles inside of China. And then you have another set of believers um, equally or more so influential that are saying that there are enough Bibles inside of China, just as he just said. We just, he just said there's no more Bibles needed inside of China. Well, here is the challenge that we have right now. According to official numbers, there's been 180 million Bibles that have been printed so far inside of China. According to The Economist that evaluated Amity Press, and I'm using the most official numbers that I can get. You can't get if, – if Amity Press would tell us how many tons of paper that they are buying and the weight of that paper, uh, the, 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 the paper quality. If they told us the paper quality, which is the paper weight, and then they told us the tonnage of the paper weight that they actually purchased, we could basically tell you because we do a lot of printing. Back to Jerusalem does a lot of printing inside of China. Um, we've also worked with Amity Press to print Bibles in China, not for the Chinese but for other countries around the world, including um, Iran. So we know the operation inside and out. So if they would tell us the tonnage of the paperweight that they are purchasing, we could tell you about how many Bibles they're actually printing per year. But there's not that kind of audit that is allowed to take place. So where do those numbers come from? The numbers come from reports that are given by Amity Press. Amity Press is run by the government. It is a government charity. It is the largest charity in all of China. That's pretty important. It is, I'm going to say that again. Amity Press is the largest charity in all of China. And there's a reason why. We're going to get to that here in a second. So Amity Press is, is the only official Bible printer in all of China. So it's the only one that's allowed to print Bibles. Uh, it, it's if if you're not familiar with Amity Press, it actually started off. Um, like, he had alluded to uh, Project Pearl. Project Pearl was a um, a project that was carried out by a former U.S. Marine. That's why I wanted to play the cadence, not just the fact that we kind of need somebody to keep us all in step uh, as ministries, and how there you have this this. Um, um, uniformity issue where uh, people are becoming disheartened. Um, they're becoming um, dis they're not being unified in their efforts, and um, 
one of those individuals was an employee or not an employee, a volunteer with um, a major ministry uh, in um, uh, around the world. And there was a former U.S. Marine, just like the cadences that you heard, a background that I share. There was a former U.S. Marine that came out. You can find out more about this project. If you want to hear about this project, uh, you can find the book. It's called Project Pearl, done by Paul Hathaway. Excellent book. I highly recommend it. By the way, that was a very contested book. When Paul wrote the book and he was going to come out with it, he was threatened by the foundation that was a part. And this is secondhand information. I don't have firsthand information. Secondhand information from Paul himself. That said that uh, he was he was threatened to be sued by the organization if he came out with the book, but he came out with the book anyway, because uh, the former U.S. Marine that did the the project that delivered the one million Bibles into China, and that's Project Pearl, by the way. So Project Pearl was this project that takes place in 1981, in the summer of 1981, where a former U.S. Marine feels that God called him to deliver one million Bibles secretly into Shantou, China, which is the southeastern part of China in Guangdong province. So he uh, delivers the, uh, the the Bibles to a beach in Shantou, but before delivery goes through, uh, his ministry told him to cancel the, the project. And it, this was a serious project, Okay. So let me just let me just stop here and take a moment to explain Project Pearl. Run by this U.S. Marine um, that that feels that God has called him to deliver one million Bibles into China. This was the biggest operation of Bibles being moved into China in one single day. Never before has one million Chinese Bibles been distributed throughout China as they were that day. This was this became front page of Time magazine. Uh, this was huge news. Um, the CIA was watching this. Um, this, it, this was a pretty big deal. Now, this Marine was able to put together a team, and it's, this it was not an easy team because he basically um, was, was a, a bit of a hard nose when he put his team together. He had a period of time where he just told them to do things and would not allow them to speak because he wanted to weed out those that were not going to uh, uh, fall in line and do things in a military manner. He wanted to get rid of those that uh, wanted to have explanations first. He wanted basically uh, Christian Marines, if you will, to kind of carry out this project. From there, those that volunteered also had to sign waivers, waivers that said, if I am injured while delivering these Bibles, leave me in China um, if it means that the others can get away. If I die, leave me in China. So there was this there was this commitment, this raw, uh, uh, absolute self-sacrificial commitment for those that were a part of Project Pearl. Now, when the project, when Project Pearl was was canceled by the ministry that oversaw um, the entire operation, uh, they had some challenges from Calvary Chapel's Chuck Smith out of Costa Mesa, California, who said, "Wait a minute, guys! We actually donated for this barge that's being used to take the Bibles inside. If you cancel it, that's fine, but we're going to need reimbursement for that barge that we supported specifically for this operation." So the U.S. Marine, who did not want to cancel it carried on with that mission anyway. So directly after that project took place, um, they, there was a, um, a military printing house 
um, that, that began to print Bibles as a government operation. It was a government operation started by the People's Liberation Army in Nanjing. And the paper that was used for the first Bibles to be printed after a comment by President Carter from the United States, there was paper that was supplied by the United Bible Societies. And so the People's Liberation Army uh, in Nanjing printed the Bible. And Amity Press was actually started as a trap for Christians and, and still can be used today as a trap. For Christians, the largest Bible printing house in the world, the largest charity in all of China was started as a trap for Christians. You see, what they would do is they would print Bibles for the official Christians inside of China, and then they would make the the, the Bibles available. Knowing that there was such a hunger in the 1980s for Bibles, what they would do is they required you to show an ID in order to obtain a Bible. Once you showed your ID, then your identification would be used as a cross-reference to see if you had been registered with the official church. And if you weren't, then you could be located and pursued persecuted against. And that is even how it takes place today, that if you are purchasing a Bible with the the official church, because the only way to get a Bible inside of China today officially is to purchase one through an official book distributor or the official three self church. So there's the there's a database of Christians who have registered with the three self official church. And if you have not registered and yet you go and buy a Bible, then you are identified as a member of the unregistered gatherings or the unregistered church, better known as the illegal underground house church of China. So that is the background for Amity Press. Now, Let's go back to the video that we played just a little bit ago where we had this brother who said that there is about a, a million Bibles per month that are printed. And according to Amity Press and those that are reporting on Amity Press, about 180 um, million Bibles have been printed thus far. Well, if there's 180 million Bibles and there are only um, 80 million Christians in China – then the math obviously works out. What this brother said is completely true. There's enough Bibles for all the believers inside of China. Congratulations, clap your hands, pat yourself on the back. Let's go home. We have no more reason to print Bibles inside of China. But that's not the end of the story. I wish it were, but it's not. You see, Bible society, the Bible societies, uh, Paper is supplied by donations from around the world. So donations from around the world from different Bible societies donates to Amity Press so that Amity Press can print Bibles for the Chinese. But that money is used to offset the price of the actual printing of the Bible. Now, now follow me here. You have donations coming in from Christian organizations to print the Bible from the official Amity Press Printing press in Nanjing. So the official Amity printing press is printing Bibles using paper donated by Christian donors. Now, this donated paper offsets, obviously, offsets the price of the Bible. 
So the Bible doesn't cost really anything because the paper that's needed for the Bible printing and, and the things that go along with the Bible printing um, are donated. However, those Bibles, those 180 million Bibles, if, if that is indeed the number, and we're going to, well, I'm not going to argue those numbers right now. I can, but I'm not going to. Not for the purposes of this podcast. It doesn't matter. What matters is the official number that's being claimed right now, which is 180 million. So if it's 180 million, we're going to go with that. We're going to go with their numbers. We're not going to argue their numbers. We're just going to go with that and see how this works out. Because the paper is mainly, and, and, and the other things that are needed for the printing of the Bible, but mainly the paper, is donated by Christian donors who believe that they are donating towards Chinese Christians to receive Bibles, are um, contributing money, and those Bibles are being printed by Amity Press, but the Bibles that are being printed by Amity Press are not just for the Chinese. Many of the Bibles are printed for overseas Chinese. So those Bibles can be sold in Taiwan, Hong Kong, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, wherever you would find Christians that speak Chinese that would purchase a Chinese Bible. But it doesn't just stop there. They also print Bibles in English. And those Bibles that are printed in English are sold in America, Canada, Australia, UK, wherever English is spoken as a main language, and, and, and not even as a main language, but as one of the languages. So if you go into a Bible, uh, Bible store in Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur, and you go to a bookstore to purchase a Bible in English, you will find one of these Bibles that is printed in Nanjing. But I'm not done. Bibles that are printed all around the world in almost every language, guess where those Bibles, the majority of them are being printed today? China, Amity Press. It has become a massive business. That's why the government allows it to be the largest charity, if you want to call it a charity. It is the largest charity in all of China. Because what kind, let, let's, let's pretend that you make cars for a living, okay? Let's, let's pretend that you are Tesla or Chevy or Toyota and you make cars for a living. And somebody comes in and they say, we're going to donate the building materials for you to make a Toyota car, a Camry. So that Camry, let's say that that Camry with the overhead and the, and the people and the shipment and all of that costs you $10,000. let us just put it at 10000 to make math easy. So let's, let's say that it costs you $10,000 um, US dollars to make that Toyota Camry. And somebody comes along and they donate 8000 U.S. dollars for you to make that Camry. That money comes in free. So your only overhead goes from uh, 10000 to 2000 So you're only paying one-fifth, if that. It may be that your donors are so generous that they say that they'll give you 10000 for you to print, for you to make one Toyota Camry. And then you turn around and you sell that Toyota Camry for 10000 the price of what it cost for the market to make that Toyota Camry. So you turn around at the very least and put 8000 in your pocket, whereas if you would have made that Toyota Camry on your lonesome, you would have had to pull $10,000 out of somewhere. Let's say you get a bank loan for 10000 You make the Toyota Camry, 
uh, your bank loan was interest free. You pay it back, but you still need to make a profit. So you sell it for eleven thousand or twelve thousand in order to make a profit. You need the two thousand so you can live and survive. Well, you have to sell that Camry for twelve thousand. But if your competitor is getting donations and they can turn around and sell it for ten thousand, I mean, they can sell it for they can sell it for uh, three thousand or four thousand and still make a profit. But why? Because they know that their their nearest competitor has to sell it for at least eleven or twelve thousand. So if they just undercut it a little bit, they will get more business and higher profit margins. Are you following me? So you can make that you can make this ten thousand uh, U.S. dollar Camry, sell it for ten thousand dollars, and the whole ten thousand is basically profit. Or let's say that you did have to put in two thousand of your own money, you're still making eighty percent profit. Only paying one fifth of the amount that it makes that it takes to make that car. That's what's happening inside of China with Amity Press. You have donations that are coming in, paying for the paper of these Bibles to be printed. Uh, the percentage of which is not really known, uh, but the, the, we do know donations are coming in, and the donations are being used for the printing of those Bibles, and those Bibles are mainly being used to sell abroad in all the different languages. In fact, the number one provider for Bibles in the United States is, ding, 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 China. It's not even close to anywhere else. Let me tell you a story. I was traveling through Indiana, uh, getting ready to speak at churches. I was going through with uh, a friend of mine uh, by the name of Pastor Joshua. You, for those of you that are familiar with this podcast, you've heard me talk about Pastor Joshua in the past. And I've even told this story before, possibly on a podcast. I don't know. We've done so many podcasts that I can't remember which. I'm like an old man that keeps telling the same stories. My wife tells me often that, uh, that I've already heard that story. Don't tell it to me again. But if you've heard our po- podcast a lot, you've heard this story before, I'm going to tell it again. So get over it. And those of you that have not heard it, um, congratulations. So basically, Pastor Joshua and I, we were traveling in Indiana. We go to a bookstore, a huge bookstore, and it's outside Fort Wayne. And uh, we see this wonderful Christian bookstore. We go inside. And we had some meetings that we, were, that we were going to go to. Pastor Joshua walks in. And he he falls in love. This is before ebooks started to take a big a big step forward. So this is when Christian bookstores were a lot more of an, a daily essential than they are today. Most Christians, like myself, almost never buy Christian books anymore. I buy most of my stuff uh, on with my Kindle, and the reason is is because or you know through my laptop or whatever, my Bible and everything is on my iPad, my my computer, and my phone. And then I do a lot of my reading through my iPad using the Kindle software. And the reason why is because I travel. Every everywhere and i only like to take my backpack but this was during the older days when bookstores were a lot more an essential part of a christian life especially in the west specifically in this case america so we are traveling in in indiana we go into this bookstore and it's massive i mean it's this massive beautiful bookstore i mean you know christian books i've never really thought about it because i kind of grew up in that environment but for him to, for Pastor Joshua from China, this was his first trip to America. He walks into this bookstore from side to side, front and back. There's just every kind of, uh, of Christian resource that, that, that could be imagined. And for him, this is like heaven. Think about a guy who is resource-starved, that doesn't have any way of getting his hands on any of these materials. 
and, and now he walks in and there, I could see the desperation in his eyes. Oh, how he wished he could read in English. He can't speak English. He can't read in English. And all of these books, of course, were in English. And he doesn't speak any English at all. And he's just started. And then I took him to the Bible section. I said, these are the Bibles. And we're walking around the Bible section. And I'm showing him, these, this, these are Bibles for soldiers. And that's why they're in camouflage. These Bibles are for women. That's why they're flowery. These Bibles are for students. That's why they've got these, these younger audience type of designs on them. These, these Bibles are for uh, single parents that have gone through divorce. And these are one-year Bibles. And these are 30-day Bibles. And, 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 and these Bibles are for uh, evening stuff. I mean, there's like all these different Bibles, right? They try to target all these different genres and, and, and age groups. And they, they, so you got a Bible for almost every occasion possible. Everything that you can think of, there's Bibles. There's Bibles with concordance. There's Bibles without concordance. There's Bibles in, in Old English, like the King James Version. There's Bibles in New English, like the Good News Bible. There's like Bibles for everything. And he doesn't speak any English at all. And then he picks up one of these Bibles. And then he opens it up. There's one Chinese phrase that he understands, and the reason why is because there's so many things in the world that has this Chinese phrase. He opens up the Bible. The very first one he, he, he grabs, turns to the first page, and it says, Made in China, and he points it out to me. Made in China. He grabs the next Bible, Made in China, and just, just for kicks and giggles, we begin to go through and open up every one of the Bibles, and every Bible that we open up, it says made in China. Do me a favor. You don't believe me? Walk through your house. Any Bible that you've purchased within the last 10 years, open it up and tell me, where's that Bible made? Go to a Christian bookstore. Just, just prove me wrong. Go into a Christian bookstore. Go through any of the Bibles and see where is that Bible made. I'm sitting here. I'm looking. My, my, my son and I, we went to a... Um, um, a Marine Corps recruit depot yesterday, and they had Bibles that were that were set up, um, that were being given out for free. And those Bibles are actually made in the United States. And the reason why is because they're given out for free to soldiers. So they wanted to give out Bibles that are made in the United States for soldiers. But m the majority of Bibles, the overwhelming majority of Bibles, I don't have a percentage, but I can tell you just from just from random research ghetto research of me, myself, and I walking through different bookstores, opening up Bibles, I found that the majority of them, the overwhelming majority of them, are made in China. I like to test myself. And whenever I go into new bookstores, whenever I go into churches, whenever I grab a Bible from the back of a pew, I open it up and look and see where it's made. And I'm never really that surprised to find out, for the most part, they're made in China. So why am I saying all that? I'm saying all this because those Bibles come from Amity Press. They're a part of that 180 million Bibles. And like I said, according to The Economist, a, a research organ that, was, that, that looked into it and got about as inf much information as I could, they came up with a very conservative number. I'd put, up very, I'd put up much higher than that. But they said at least two-thirds, maybe more, but at least two-thirds of the Bibles printed at Amity Pro Publishers, at Amity Press, are for export, leaving only one-third of those Bibles. So uh, two-thirds of the Bible are, are for export. Well, if, if the two-thirds is true, 
then that means we have about 59 Bibles, 59 million Bibles that are printed in China. If we use the numbers from the economists. So now this Christian brother who said that there's a, he actually said a million Bibles per month, but we're going to go with his number, a million Bibles per month. And Amity's press is that they've currently printed um, 180. So if they have 180 million Bibles, which we're going to go with. So we're going to go with that. If they have printed 180 million Bibles and two thirds of those are used for export at least two thirds, but we're going to go with two thirds. We're going to say 59 million are printed in China. According to this brother's own numbers, there are 80 million believers inside of China. Well, right now we have 50 million, 59 million Bibles. So we are already 20 million short in 2016. So the very first step that we take in his math leaves us at 20 million Bibles short. Well, that's okay because we're doing a million Bibles per month doing the printing, right? So a, a million Bibles, if we have um, a, a few million short, then it'll take us, you know, about 30 months. So in about 30 months, we should, but, but right now we, we still have um, a, a number um, that, is, that is growing, so as the Bibles are printed, how many Christians can we actually get them to? But right now we'll just go with the numbers and we're, we are 20 million Bibles short with 21 actually. Um, I'm sorry, 31. So if we have our 21, so we have, if we have um, 80 million Bi Christians and 59 million Bibles are printed in China used for those Christians, then we have a deficit of 20 million. So the 80 million, he did not say whether that was official or unofficial. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that it's both. And even though I not only do I not agree with that number, but I would say that the official number of Christians uh, uh, underground and uh, both unofficial and official is double that. But we're going to go with that. We're going to go with the 80 million. We're going to go with a million Bibles a month, go with the numbers that from Amity Press, which is 180 million up to this day. So we have 180 million Bibles um, out of two-thirds that have been shipped abroad, one-third staying back. The one-third staying back is 59 million Bibles, 80 million Christians. That's 21 million Bibles short. But there's another issue. You see that 59 million Bibles that have been printed inside of China? Less than half of those are full Bibles. Less than half of those are full Bibles. The majority of those are New Testaments. How many? We don't really have a number for that breakdown. We only have an official estimate of less than half of the Bibles that are printed are printed for full Bibles. The rest are New Testaments. So if we have New Testaments, now we have a, another issue because if we have 59 Bibles, we'll just put it at 60. Now we have less than 30 million Bibles printed inside of China that are full Bibles. Now we are 50 million Bibles short. And I'm just using their numbers. The deficit is much greater than this in my opinion, but just using their numbers... Those that say that there are enough Bibles inside of China, we have a massive de deficit. And according to their own numbers, if there's only 30 million full Bibles. Now, if you're a pastor of a church, do you want your congregation only having a New Testament? If you're a pastor, 
do you want to only have the New Testament? The New Testament is kind of is, 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 is great as a, as a get-by, but it's not a standalone. The Bible for Christians is valued as a whole. The Old Testament and the New Testament, I work together with a, with a Jewish rabbi. Um, he, is a, he is a Messianic Jew uh, by the name of Miles Weiss, really great guy. You can watch his program. Uh, you can do a, a search on Google and find his program. He does a, a, a TV program uh, about Christians and their relationship with, with the Jewish people of Israel. He's actually in Israel right now as I'm doing this podcast. An amazing brother. Um, he, he told me something one time that I really love. He said that whenever he gets a Bible, he circumcises his Bible. He circumcises his Bible. If you're not familiar with that term, I wasn't when he said it. So it kind of, it kind of made me laugh a bit, but he said, I circumcise my Bible when I get it. What I mean by that is that I cut the white page that separates the old Testament and the new Testament because it's one continuous love story from God. There's not a separate section of the Bible. The, the, the old Testament talks about the, 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 the fall of man and the need for a Messiah. And then the prophe- the prophecies that come forth about the coming Messiah and then the Messiah and then the sacrifice that we were given for all man to have salvation. It's one continuous a story from Genesis to Revelation. So you, it's, it's, if, if you have the choice of having nothing and a New Testament, of course we would select the, the New Testament. But for Christians, a part of our daily walk in our faith requires that we have access to both the Old and the New Testament. And if you agree with me, that would mean that we only have 30 million Bibles inside of China for Christian believers. If there are indeed 80 million Christians inside of China, that means 2016, we're 50 million Bibles short. And this is, I hope, an answer for those who say, you know, I've heard that there is a need for Bibles inside of China from people like you, but then I have other Christian leaders that are running these amazing foundations and charities that are coming to our church and telling us that Bibles are not needed inside of China. This this guy made a video to reach out to people all around the world to share with them about the growth of Christianity inside of China. But in the middle of the video, he makes a very strong statement and, and, and very well laid out argument. Or actually, it's not an argument at all. He just flatly just said the statement. The statement being that there are enough Bibles being made in China. I can't, I, I cannot get into the head of other Christians and tell you why they say stuff like this. I can't get into their head and tell you why they believe stuff like this when it's easily proven wrong. Doesn't make him a bad Christian. Doesn't make him against me or against our organization or against the Chinese. In fact, in the video, he makes a very strong claim for people to support the Christians inside of China and, the, and, and to uh, learn from the persecution that they've gone through and to be encouraged for the perseverance that they've had through the hardships of persecution. So, I mean, obviously an amazing brother, and that's where the confusion comes in. That's where people find a bit of disunity because we don't have that cadence, so to speak, of where we're marching in unison. We have strong voices, well-known voices, my voice not being one 
of them. I wouldn't say that I'm a strong voice uh, for missions in the world today, but I, I, I hope that I can at least shed a little bit of clarity for those that have questions. And that's what I'm attempting to do. To, to, to shed a little bit of clarity for those that desperately want to do what's best. And when you, when you donate your funding, when you, when you donate your time and pray, you want to make sure that you are focusing on the right needs. And that's completely understandable. And if you don't support Bibles being printed inside of China, that's fine. But if you feel that you have been moved, passionately persuaded to support Bibles inside of China, and then you hear one of these guys come before your church and share with you that Bibles are no longer needed inside of China, and then you feel a bit conflicted. Am I doing the right thing? Have I been bamboozled? Have I been tricked? Have I, been, have I given in to a, an impassioned plea from an organization that wants Bibles inside of China? Let me say this. Let me, let me end with this. And this is honest. I wish we did not need to print Bibles inside of China. We have so many other places where we need to get Bibles into. We're, we're raising funding. As you know, you can see right now if you go to our website and on this tour that I'm speaking at right now while in the United States, both Brother Yun and myself are raising funding to uh, print Bibles to get to ISIS-controlled areas. Bibles for ISIS. That is our main focus right now. I wish that could be our only focus. We're also getting Bibles as I'm speaking. We're getting Bibles into North Korea. I wish that could be our only focus. While I'm speaking right now, we are printing Bibles inside of China for Iran. We've already delivered 20,000 Bibles this year to Iran. I wish that were our only need for Bibles. When I say that we need Bibles for ISIS, when I say we need Bibles for North Korea, when I say we need Bibles for Iran, that elicits a response where people give. You know where people are not as willing to give these days? Bibles for China. It's, it's just not a sexy concept anymore. It's not anything new. It's not anything cutting edge. It's not anything pe – people want to be a part of something that is, that is taking the gospel into new areas, and I'm all about that. And, but I, I cannot help it every time I sit down with the leaders that I serve inside of China, these Chinese leaders. I don't tell them what they need. They tell me what they need. And I, I submit myself to them and I submit myself to their authority. And I try to provide them with what they tell me they need. And I wish they would tell me they no longer need Bibles because that would allow us to use so many more resources in areas that are easier to raise funding for. Unfortunately, every time I sit down with these brothers, and I ask them, what are your needs? I want to put my head in my hands when they say our greatest need is Bibles. Because I don't want to hear that. I want to help them do something else. I don't want to provide Bibles anymore. I, we want to provide Bibles for other areas. But it feels like we've been providing Bibles for China forever. But it's needed. And regardless of my desire to want to share with you the newest, the greatest, the, 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 the most cutting edge project that we're a part of, the, the bottom line is that there is a fundamental need inside of China 
not according to me, but according to the leaders and according to the numbers, the factual numbers that I just read to you out of the mouths of those that challenge it themselves. I use their numbers. There is a fundamental need on the ground for Bibles. We haven't even begun. We haven't even begun to meet that need. I can't tell you how many Bible schools that we're working with today that the Bible students arrive at the Bible schools without a Bible. Is it better than today than it was 10 years ago? Absolutely. You can bet your bottom dollar it is 10 times better than it was 10 years ago. But there is still an overwhelming need inside of China. Millions and millions of believers inside of China do not have Bibles. And and I'm not saying that you need to, I, I'm not even making an appeal during this podcast for you to come and support Bibles for China because that's not what we're raising Bibles for right now. I'm raising money for Bibles for right now. There are many good organizations out there that print Bibles and get Bibles to believers. You can go to uh, several different ministries and look them up. I know that Asia Harvest, for instance, they print Bibles. They're a good organization. I know that Paul um, re- Paul Hadaway, the, the leader of Asia Harvest, really looks uh, strongly at the way that the at the money the money how the money is spent and how the distribution takes place. He is a good ministry to sow seed into. So if you're supporting Bibles through Paul Hadaway's Asia Harvest, good on you. A billion, a, a billion Bibles.org, I think, is another organization. I don't know much about them, but I do know that they're printing Bibles inside of China. I do think also IMB, the International Mission Board, the, the mi- main mission arm for Southern Baptists, I think that they also print Bibles and distribute Bibles inside of China. I know because we did it with them for several years. Another great organization and one that is very, very trustworthy to get Bibles into the hands of believers if, in fact, they still do that. I'm not sure. So I'm, I'm not speaking with a lot of confidence uh, just because I, I don't know what their goals are for this year. Point being, I'm not raising funding for Bibles right now. I'm trying to be as non-biased and giving you information so that if you hear um, one of these leaders that is doing great work inside of China stand before you and say Bibles are no longer needed inside of China, rest assured that we have a serious disagreement and that you can be confident that your resources are going to the right place when you are supporting Bibles for the Chinese underground house church. And I hope that this podcast is one that you can refer to in the future. Um, I pray that it is one that becomes heavily outdated in the next five, ten years. I pray that I am that that their Bibles or Bibles are no longer a necessity inside of China in the next five, ten years. However, we are on the heels of new persecution. I just got off the phone uh, today with one of our leaders who are one of our friends, one of the main mission guys from uh, an organization that works together with John Maxwell's uh, Leadership Foundation. And uh, he, is their, he is their main trainer for China. I got off the phone with him uh, this afternoon, and we were talking about the new proposed laws that are supposed to be enacted today as I'm doing this podcast, uh, October 7, 2016, where Chinese churches have been told that they will be fined if uh, they are found having churches in their home, uh, anywhere from 3000 to 30000 U.S. dollars for both the homeowner and the renter if they are found to be having meetings inside their home without authorization 
and they're not going to get authorization. That's a catch-22. And also for those that go abroad and those that are a part of the underground house church and they are not registered and those that are purchasing or distributing Bibles, the, 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 the new regulations is all-encompassing. Therefore, I believe that in the next five, five to ten years, we're, we, we will have to reevaluate if that is still a need or not. But we don't have any confidence as of for this year that persecution will subside for 2016. But that's okay. That's what's been fueling the underground house church movement. Anyway, I want to thank you for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I pray that this podcast has been a benefit to you. If not, I'm sorry that I wasted about um, almost an hour of your time. Uh, but for those of you that wanted to know, for those of you that have questioned um, us in the past, that have come back to our book tables and, and have had this conversation with us, I pray that this can be a good resource for you to go to and, and to look at uh, or, and, and listen to uh, while you're on your daily drive or maybe you're sitting in your office or you know, jogging down a country road uh, doing your morning workouts. But we want to thank you for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America. God bless you guys. Hello, I'm Eugene Bach, and I'm coming to you with a little bit of a Back to Jerusalem emergency. We need your help. For those of you that are able to help, if you are retired or you are a student or you are finding yourself right now with a vision to serve in missions, we need you. Today, Back to Jerusalem missionaries in China are training people that are going to the field between China and Jerusalem in the 1040 window. Many of those students are learning English as their second language, and if you speak English, we need your help. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably speak English. For those that are willing to make a six-month commitment or a one-semester commitment, we will provide housing and air tickets once you pass a very simple background check and sign a confidentiality agreement. The schools are underground house church schools, and they desperately need your partnership today. This is a offer that we are giving out, sending out for the very first time because we are in an emergency situation where we have missionaries that are ready to go. They just need help. We can arrange all of the logistics to get your visa, housing, and transportation if you send me an email at sinobach at gmail.com, S-I-N-O-B-A-C-H at gmail.com. Again, you can send me a message to my email at S-I-N-O-B-A-C-H at gmail.com. Thank you for praying about this, and thank you for partnering together with Back to Jerusalem. God bless.